Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, yeah, it is. A lot of things to clap about. October 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th, you, me, and everybody else, right? You work for this, you pray for this, you gave to this. Really, it's just going to be something so special. We don't, we don't like hyperbole. We don't like to exaggerate things. We just like to put action to our words, and this is going to be something so special to be a part of. Now, I mean, you know, we'll get to it later on, but I'll say it over and over. I mean, the coming together of, of introducing this building to the community, huh? I mean, it's just a special place. You've, do, you've done something so wonderful here through your obedience and your sacrifice to God, and then coming, bringing Star Wars into that, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have so much fun, and I look forward to it. I want to welcome all of you here today to the start of our new teaching series, which is called Better, Stronger, Greater. Three weeks teaching on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, a supernatural force inside of us, makes us stronger, brings us to the greater work that God wants to do in us. The Holy Spirit simply makes us better, stronger, and greater. Now, if you hang in there for these three weeks, I wholeheartedly believe that you'll be better for it, that this is so beneficial to it, because you're going to have a greater understanding of God. Those who just coming into the faith, if you don't know God, I think this will click with you. I think there are some things in here today might kind of click with your logical. You know, we, often we approach God first logically when we're kind of uncertain or kicking the tires, or even as atheists, you know. There's so much logic in here that would kind of connect and relate to you and your confusion or pessimist or being cynical towards God. It might help you with that. It might fill those gaps. But most of all, what you're going to get, I believe, through this series is how God is working with you and present with you day to day in your life. Now, one of the reasons I decided to go ahead with this series is that, you know, we just came out of the Lord's Prayer where we talked about how we approach God the Father. And in November, we're going to do a series called The Storyteller. We're going to be jumping into some of those the life-changing, incredible stories that Jesus told when he walked the earth. They're known as parables. So I thought, well, the way the schedule went, moving around the grand opening, we had this three-week slot, and I said, how cool it would be if we could just slot in something about the Holy Spirit right in there. God, Holy Spirit, Son, we cover a lot of spiritual ground, right? So I also think this is going to be a great preparation for us as we now go to our grand opening, right? No looking back after that, huh? For us to draw closer to God, have a greater understanding, because I believe that we will, in these coming weeks and months and years now, God is going to do a great work through you. You who have sacrificed, you who were obedient, you who surrendered, you who were judged, God is going to do something through you. God is always doing something greater than we can see. You know this, right? Now, a lot of people who live the Christian life, they do so without being very aware of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And they do so really not in a comprehensive and complete way or accurate way understand the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion regarding the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is perhaps the most misunderstood person in all the Bible. Just referring, just me referring to the Holy Spirit as God might confuse you. Me referring to the Holy Spirit as a person might also confuse you as well. 
and a lot of confusion comes because there's just kind of, it's kind of ambiguous. People kind of put their own spin on it. They get God, they get Jesus the Son, but this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit kind of gets treated like the weird cousin at the family reunion, right? You know, nobody really knows who he's related to, and he's never, he always winds up out of the pictures, huh? I could see God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit talking. The Holy Spirit's like, you know, how do I get this gig? It's like, you know, you're Jesus, and everybody loves you, and they got pictures of you on the wall, they got tattoos of you. God, you're God. I mean, the, the, the majestic hymns and, and the majesties, and you, you're carved into cement, your name. For me, I'm Holy Spirit, and it's like, you know, they're debating about me, arguing about me. I do this. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm this. I'm that. Who am I? I'm God, and I'm a personal God because I'm a person. The Holy Spirit is God and a person, huh? I think, and I want you to take time for us today to understand and grasp this, to increase our understanding of the Holy Spirit. I believe for me, and it is personal, and that's okay. We want, you know, we, we do. We, you'll have this tension between subjectivity and objectivity, right? We, we want truth to be the objective, the Word of God. We want to be careful we don't lean more on our, you know, we make, we make the truth subjective to our own feelings. It's not good. But we, we want to include our own feelings in our person. And, and this is a, where I think the Spirit kind of brings it together so beautifully our personal experiences and the truth. I was uh, maybe three years into the faith, and uh, I, I just hit a really bad time, a rut. Now, a rut is a nice way of saying that I, after doing so well in the faith, I had like the Midas touch. Oh, yeah, there were challenges. Coming into the faith was challenging for me. Uh, going to Bible college at 29 was challenging for me, right? Uh, but, I, you know, it, it, it kind of, it, like, it was like big speed bumps. You know, boosh, boosh, I'd go. Everything I touched turned to gold. Everything was going so well for me. I was like this poster child of a bad guy turned good guy and following Jesus. And, you know, I, I said, I'm, after a while, I started to think, I'm so good. And I did all of this. I didn't say that. To God be the glory, you know. I thank God. But somewhere inside, this new narrative began to begin. And I began to rely on myself now, and I began to project out the plans, and of course now I had things to protect and to keep, and, and ways I wanted to do things, and oh, and you know what happened? I carved out a path apart from God. I began to become self-sufficient, very dangerous, huh? Having God subject to your feelings is, and the truth of the Bible, subject to your feelings is, is dangerous. Becoming self-sufficient is just as dangerous. I'll just toss that out there, perhaps even more dangerous. Huh? And, and I just woke up one day, and I was so far from God. So how do you articulate that? I don't know. Words like disconnectedness, distant, not sensing or feeling, you know, you know I, 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 God's presence, talking, but just not, not feeling like something resonating in me or, that, or being, feeling a sense of hope or comfort when I'm talking to God. What's going on here? It was a really, really dark time. And it's at this time, I'm sitting in the parking lot, I think it was a library in the town there, and I just was at the end. I was so tired. I was so drained. And I, I just was just like, God, just help me. Just help me, oh God. I don't want to be like this anymore. And See, I had, I had gone so far down this path away from God that when I realized it, and I looked back, it was like, where am I, <laughs> you know? 
and the time had come now for me to turn. And I did, I said, you know, and I did, I began to, I realized what I did was, what I was doing was wrong and the way I had conducted myself was wrong and my lack of trust and faith and, and disobedience and disregard, I got it. But I just still couldn't come. And I'm sitting there and I come to the end of myself and I'm like, God, just help me. Please help me. And all of a sudden in that moment, I just sense something rise up in me. And it begins to bring to me these things I'm aware of about God and it begins to bring to me stories of, of Peter and his restoration there in, in, in the, at the ending of the, of the Gospel of John, you know? And, and when, Peter, when Jesus restores Peter and, and his truth begins to well up in me and all of a sudden I feel like a spark and I feel like, okay, and, and, and it, was, it was light to me. And then that was kind of my initiation to grasping the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. The, 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 uh, being aware that God, Holy Spirit, is right there with us. He's dwelling with us. He's right there looking to draw out what God has done in us, yes? And I believe that God, I know God intends for you to have those experiences, those real life-changing experiences. That day God reminded me and he revealed to me. He reminded me of what he had done in my life. He reminded me of the faithful God he is. He reminded me that he is there. He revealed to me his truths. They just kept coming back and back to me. It was here that I began to now sense the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because the greatest thing the Spirit does is to draw me closer to my Jesus, right? To, that I would know God in a greater way. Now, Jesus never intended for you to live the Christian life on your own. The Christian life is impossible to live. It's not just difficult to live. You cannot live out the Christian life. And, and you all are so encouraged by that statement. Like, what am I doing here, right? The only person who lived out the Christian life perfectly, he did it so well they named it after him, Jesus Christ, right? So if you're trying to live out this Christian life on your own, you're probably exhausted. You're probably tired. You, you probably feel like you're going through the motion. It's like, okay, you know it's the right thing to do. You've had success with it. You had that moment where you tasted God's goodness. You did something that you knew you never thought you could do, and it felt good. It, it makes a whole lot of sense. And, but why is it so tiring? Why is it so difficult? Why am I, I, am I being dragged down? Huh? Why is my head hung low? Why haven't I experience what the psalmist said about God inclining, reaching down and pulling him out of the pit and giving him a firm place to stand and putting a new song in his heart. Do you know God the Holy Spirit? That is God. That is personal. Do you understand that he's with you and that he's dwelling in you? Be aware of his being, of his presence. I want you to know that today. Now, you know we're, uh, although this is the 4th of July weekend, right? Chuck, God, New England. Huh? You can laugh. I mean, it's hot. It's like 80-something degrees. I think, right? July was like in the 60s, and here we are in October. But we, but we, are, we have left summer, okay? Our, our temperature tells us something different, but we've left summer. And we're leaving a season where we, uh, you know, we tend to uh, submerge ourselves into bodies of water, pool, ponds, oceans, right? So when I go into the, uh, there are really two ways you can do that. When I go into the ocean, I generally go ankle, I go about ankle deep, and I hang around for 10 minutes so that my body can kind of get acclimated to the temperature, make sure there's no sharks, right? 
Then I'll go about knee-deep, about another 10 minutes, no harmful creatures, you know, everything seems okay. And I'll pretty much go up to that, and I'll defile so I go about my neighbor right there. Now my kids, they go about another way. They just kind of, boom, right? They just go and they'll just like jump right in, cannonball, dive, call it what you will, attack the wave, huh? But what we're going to do here, in this teaching of the Holy Spirit, we're going to just kind of just jump right in, huh? And we're not going to go very deep, but we're going to try and bring you to a greater understanding, something that you can relate to, that you could hold on to. Now listen up. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, we get a good definition of the Trinity by a man named Tim Keller, pastor, author. He says this, Christianity alone among world faiths teaches that God is triune. The doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one being who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity means that God is, in essence, relational. The life of the Trinity is characterized, characterized not by self-centeredness, but by mutually self-giving love. It's a good quote. So the Bible tells us that there is one God who exists as three persons. Hard to wrap your mind around that one, huh? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not less than the Father. He's not less than the Son. They're equal. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, right? The Holy Spirit is not an energy source. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not a vibe. The Holy Spirit is not all these things we might think it as and depict it as. The Holy Spirit is not a wild card, huh? <laughs> I always tell Chris, I wish I had a little water gun sometimes. When somebody come out and, well, ah, I mean, I said, okay. <laughs> All right. Listen, I'm not just playing with words here. This is serious because it's very important to how we understand God, the Holy Spirit. It's like my iPhone, right? I don't, know, I don't know what version it is. When I buy it, I know what version it is, but then I forget what version it is. It's probably needs, it's probably like I, I haven't updated it. Okay, all that. But I like my phone. I do. It's with me a lot. I talk on my phone, but I don't talk with my phone. Sometimes I talk at my phone. I say derogatory things to my phone. But I don't have this. Okay, I know you got Siri in there, and I talk, I guess, to Siri. I don't have a conversation with Siri. Siri's not like high on my friends list. Some of you, Siri is high on your friends list, and that's another sermon for another day. But I don't have a relationship with Siri, right? I don't share my feelings with my phone. I don't get personal with my phone. I really don't. And that's because my phone is not a person. It's an it. But the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it. Right? And I assure you as a pastor, many of us kind of see and talk and, as it an it. Like there's Jesus and there's God and then there's this it. But the Holy Spirit is God. Now, God wants us to engage the Holy Spirit. God the Father wants us to engage the Holy Spirit in a personal way. God the Holy Spirit wants to be engaged in a personal way. We have been made in the image of God. And part of that image is, and get this, that we were made to be in relationship. Like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's relational. That's what Keller is saying. That's what the Scripture tells us. That's what it's showing us. It's giving us an incredible depiction, illustration of this relationship, huh? You see, relationship is built into the very being of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. 
It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So do you see the plurality in those words? Let us, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us bring creation. Huh? We've been created in God's image, and God is relational, and we were created out of this relationship. Relationships are not an option for human beings. They are a necessity. We crave love. We crave acceptance. There's a book written by uh, Robert Putnam. He's a researcher at a Harvard, I believe the book's called Bowling Alone. I've never read it, but I've kind of read some excerpts of it. And he says, I'm going to kind of summarize what he says here. And he, what he's saying is that in their study, because they're studying, you know, kind of social patterns in society. I'm probably simpli uh, simplifying what he did there in the book. But he's saying that when they studied people, they noticed that people who are the most isolated are three times more likely to die a sooner death than people are. What they're saying is when we looked at people and who is dying sooner than later, three quarters, of, three quarters of those dying sooner were those who were isolated. And the people who had good, healthy relationships lived better, stronger, healthier lives. We know this. I take courses at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. I'm going for my master's in counseling. And time and time again as we're reading uh, scholars, authors, texts, looking at empirical research, it shows that men, women, people of all ages do better when they have healthy relationships, when they have relationships. Even if those relationships aren't that healthy, it's still better. When I took my course on gerontology, the study of aging, those Elderly people, we won't attach ages there, but those elderly people, to the extent that they have relationships in their lives, it, will, it is the highest indicator of whether or not they're going to live longer lives. How do you like that, huh? That's why I have lunch with Loretta all the time, so I can live a longer life. <laughs> She's got plenty of relationships. So, okay, why am I so excited about that? Because all science and research in Harvard, what they're saying is there's a God, and He's a relational God. We know He's relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, personal, relational. Jesus, fully God, fully man, the Holy Spirit, personal, not an it. And so because there is a God, and God created us, God the Holy Spirit created us, God the Son created us, God the Father created us, from that re relational place, we were created, therefore, man, woman, we will need relationships. It will serve us well. This is evidence like no other that there is a God, and He created us. We need relationships because we came from a relational God. Do you get that? That's why we have life groups here at Share City Church, because God's a relational God. I know. You'd rather stay home and talk to Siri. I get it. But I assure you, good relationships await in your life group. We have a ton of fun joking around. But the life groups are the glue of our, of our church, of our community of people. Some people get really close. Some people get to know each other gradually. There are different degrees of these relationships. 
But out of the whole, you're actually probably going to mind like one or two, maybe three really close relationships. I was reading an article on stress uh, last week. I had a, a neurologist. Uh, it was an AARP. I don't get AARP. My in-laws get AARP. <laughs> actually, I do get AARP, but I throw it out. I won't read it. <laughs> I don't even want to know I'm getting it, okay? But... Uh, He's good art, and he's talking about stress, and we hear a lot about stress, but he said, listen, but we, we're learning more that stress uh, affects the frontal cortex. Like, and what do you mean by stress? And I've always said this. I said, look, some stress is good. There's all sorts of stress, but stress like you feel out of control. To me, that's real stress, you know? Like, man, it's all coming at me too fast, and now I'm out of control, which can be a good thing if you turn to God, because when you're in control, that might not be a good thing. But I feel like it's just, I can't do this. It's out of control. We get this stress on our frontal cortex. And in doing so, what happens now is we lose compassion for those around us. We, we, we lose the ability. He said it's minimized. In some cases, it totally you just, just uh, escapes us. The ability to be considerate of where other people are coming from and their perspective. It's all about our perspective, huh? And he goes on. And right there, I said, wow, this guy's he's dead on. He's dead on. With all I've learned, with all I know personally, he's right on. But towards the end of the article, and he's talking about all the things you could do to treat it, to help it. But he says this in the end. He says, look, this is what we've learned. More than anything else, I've given you all these reasons, but by far, nothing comes close to having some good social relationships in your life. He said, and you know, a lot of people have all these, they're familiar with a lot of people, they have all these co-works and all these varying degrees of relationships, they're familiar with people, but not many people anymore have even two or three, one, two or three really close, good friends anymore. He said, and that helps this more than anything else, huh? Why? Because we're relational. You need relationships. You can get good, healthy relationships. Go to those life groups. There's a, a great degree of them. You know, uh, you, uh, you got Wednesday nights. I believe there's Tuesday nights. We talk, we're there. We're studying the Bible. We're getting into the Word. We, we have communion in our life groups. where we, we, uh, It's just a beautiful thing to be a part of, and I just really encourage you to jump in. And so if you, and, and we're talking about health and lifelong thinking about it. We're talking about l the longevity of life and the quality of life. So if you haven't signed up for a life group, do so today. And I'm thinking maybe for our next life groups, the next session, we should change the motto or add the motto, the tagline, and that'll be join a life group or die, right? <laughs> Listen, so let me finish up on our relationships here. Why are relationship, relationships so life-giving? Because we were created by a relational God. I want you to get this. Here's a, I'm just going to simplify it for you. We were created, we were created from a relationship and for a relationship. You got it? No, you can grasp that. The Holy Spirit's all about creation. The Holy Spirit's all about making things new. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of the creation of the world. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, first two verses, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I don't know what happened there. Oh, I read it twice. That's what happened there. Echo. That was Siri. It wasn't me. And I even underlined it. I'm like, why did I do that? I probably had a reason for doing that, but 
So here, probably because I got really excited. I probably wanted to read that verse too because I got really, it's really exciting to me. That word hovering is so interesting. The ancient Jewish rabbi, my mom's, uh, she's not even a Messianic Jew anymore. She's, she's gone into another place like Jewish roots, but she's really into, um, she's Jewish, and she's very much into going into the Scripture and, and digging out, you know, those Jewish teachings and how the rabbis and the Jewish people in the Old Testament and Torah, how it is interpreted. And the Jewish rabbis, ancient Jewish rabbis, said that word hovering, the word that's used there in, in, in the Hebrew, the original language, it, it kind of re, would remind them of the picture of a, of a bird, like a dove-like bird, huh? And so it's like saying the Spirit of God is like a dove hovering over the waters. So does that ring a bell to us who've kind of been kicking this faith thing around for a while? Let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We're familiar with this. You got Jesus the Son being baptized, God the Father speaking words of affirmation down to his Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is coming down on Jesus, and one of the things that's going on here is what he's saying is God is saying, I am doing something new. Do you get that? I, this is a new Adam. Jesus is the new Adam. This is a new covenant. This is a new way of living. This is a new way of knowing me. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, creates and causes things to be new. Does that mean something to you in here today? Your God, Holy Spirit, your personal God, the Holy Spirit, who's with you, who dwells with you, your life coach, creates where there's nothing, where there's darkness, where there's emptiness, where there's confusion, creates and makes things new like no nothing else known to mankind and that's the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus lived in that power he did everything through the power of the Spirit Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and it says here that Jesus was filled with the Spirit Jesus was filled with the Spirit because Jesus emptied himself Jesus Jesus turn and he gave himself to the will of his heavenly father the more you empty yourself of yourself as i was talking about what happened with my path when i went apart from god i had begun to fill myself more with me right my thoughts my way my logic my reasoning my conclusions my formula for success and where i was going it was more of me now and less of god let's empty ourselves of us and let's be filled with the holy spirit huh Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was comforted by the Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. I guess I'm about repeating myself today. I don't know. Jesus showed us what it was life, like to live a life aligned with God. You want to be aligned with God. You want to be close to God. And I don't want you to get this and take this note now. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. If you get this, I'll squirt you a little bit less with my water gun. <laughs> the goal of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. huh? What the Holy Spirit is going after is the glorification of the Son. The Holy Spirit is wanting you to focus on Jesus. 
Do you like to dance? I don't like to dance. I stink at dancing. You've heard me go off on the nutcracker. I, I just, I'm not into dancing. I don't, I don't even like to watch people dance, huh? I would get the, you know, you get invited to dances. People want you to dance when you're at a party. If you're at a party, somebody might invite you to dance, you know? But there's a dance going on. Ah, and it's awesome. And you've been invited to it. It's a divine dance, huh? C.S. Lewis calls it the dance of the Trinity. And here's how it goes. Jesus takes the glory and he gives it to the Father. The Father takes the glory and he gives it to the Spirit. The Spirit takes the glory and he gives it to the Son. And the Son takes the glory and he gives it to the Father. And the Father takes the glory and he gives it to the Spirit. And the Spirit gives it to the Son. And it's a beautiful divine dance going on. And we, you and I, are invited to be a part of this dance. How awesome is that, huh? It's a beautiful thing. This relationship, this glorious relationship that we were created from, that we're invited into this divine dance. May that encourage you today. May you take great joy and peace in that today, that you have been invited to this dance, and that Jesus, your invitation to this dance, was via Jesus giving his life on the cross. That was his invitation to this dance. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to shed my blood on this cross so that you can be right with God and you can be a part of this glorious dance. How cool is that? Jesus had a lot of conversations with people when he was here on earth. One of the last conversations he's had, he's with his followers, and he's beginning to tell them now, hey, listen, it's right before he's going to the cross, and he says, you know, uh, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Like, really soon, I'm going to leave you. And they're not taking it well. Like, it's bone-numbing to them. Some scriptures say, some versions say they were depressed. Some say they were grieved deeply in their spirit, you know? John chapter 16, verse 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now Jesus is saying, it's a good thing I'm going. And they're like, really? You think so, huh? I mean, we left everything. We gave up everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Jesus said, well, I did say very truly. Like, really, okay? Because if I don't come... Well, if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. There's a quote. I, I forgot. I can't attribute it to someone. I forgot who it was. But it goes something like this. The Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Yeah, think about that. I don't know, people go to Jerusalem like, man, if I could only walk with Jesus when he was here, or what it must be like to have walked alongside of Jesus. And some of you were like, what, really? And like, yeah, Jesus said, really, truly, yeah. Better for the Spirit to be inside of you than me be alongside of you. That's what he was telling them. That's what he's telling you. That's the reality of the power of the personal God, Holy Spirit with you, huh? Jesus said, I am leaving, but I am sending another. Jesus said, it's better for you to live in the era of the Spirit what we are living in, in the era of the Spirit. Jesus says we can have the same Spirit that comforted Him, that empowered Him, that led Him. We can have that same spirit that created something new through Jesus, the new promise, the new covenant, the new life, the resurrection, the eternity. As believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit really well, so I'm going to go quickly here. He knew it intimately, and he tells us what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will teach you. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
So Jesus says here, hey, you got a life coach. You've got a life counselor. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is with you. And here's two ways the Holy Spirit teaches us. First, the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. This is significant. And the primary way the Holy Spirit does that is through the Word of God, through the Bible. Don't let this escape you. All the words in the Bible are inspired by God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. God the Holy Spirit illuminates the Scripture. So when a kid from Brooklyn, who's so far from God, starts to open up the Bible, but he sits there and stares at it and reads it, it becomes something to him. And it'll become something to you if you would pause and sit and dwell and read those words. So if you're not an expert on everything, and maybe you could use, that's sarcastic by the way, and maybe you could use some help in some areas of your life, maybe you want to grab this Bible that has this, these letters from antiquity that have changed people's lives, huh? That have massive doses of wisdom in there. You want to talk about hits on race and religion and gender. Nothing compares to the Scripture, huh? Why not include that in our conversations? Why not include that in what's going to guide your life? And as you're sitting there reading those words, why not tap into what God has put inside of you? And if, you've not, if you don't have this relationship with Jesus, why not consider joining those who do? Why not consider taking that invitation that God's given you to come into this dance and taking these words of life and sitting there and reading them and saying, God, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me what you want me to know here. Show me what you want, to, what we want, to, what you want me to do here. And again, we talked about subjectivity and objectivity. Show me your truth, God. Huh? I don't want to make my feelings or my emotions subject to them, but I want these words to harness my emotions in a healthy way. I want them to heal my emotions. I want them to reveal truth to me, oh God. That's what the Spirit does. Another great reason to jump into a life group, to sit there and read these scriptures, to hear how other people, how they've resonated within other people, how these scriptures have changed people's lives, what they spoke to them. And if they say something that doesn't make sense, slap them. <laughs> or take your water gun out. <laughs> All right. So that we, we have this reservoir of truth. When we're reading the Scripture and you're memorizing Scripture, as I said before, you have this reservoir of truth that's within you, and the Holy Spirit draws it out. That's what happened to me when I was sitting there in that parking lot of the library crying out for help. The Holy Spirit began to illuminate in me and draw out of me the truths I had learned, what I had heard of God's promises and God's power and God's faithfulness all coming out. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Think about your need for a good counsel. Think about how many people have problems, huh? Those who you, who you make, might make poor decisions, those who might struggle to manage anger, those who have difficulty overcoming the past, struggle with forgiveness. Just tap the person next to you and say, You need a counselor, man. You do. Yeah, you can do it. Go ahead. You need a counselor. Unfortunately, poor Lloyd. Everybody turned and said something to him. Sorry about that, Lloyd. <laughs> I don't know why. It just worked out that way, Lloyd. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you don't think so. <laughs> 
Look, the greatest, I go to, as I told you before, I attend, I'm going for my master's in counseling, and a professor of mine once said this, and I remember writing it down, I put it in here. The greatest gift a counselor gives is a calming and engaging presence. I've even read that in text. I've heard it quoted other places since I first heard it. The greatest gift a counselor gives is a calming and engaging presence. The Holy Spirit is a calming presence. The Holy Spirit decreases anxiety. The Holy Spirit teaches us, and the, and the Holy Spirit guides us. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, But when He, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I believe the Holy Spirit guides us. I really do. I lead much of my life in this manner, being prompted and guided by the Spirit. You get a text, prompting. I show up, prompting. Uh, yesterday, I'm, you know, I got up in the morning. I'm usually the first one up on a Saturday, and uh, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking and I'm praying and uh, I don't know, kind of in a kind of uh, a prominent way, a particular person pops into my head and I kind of sit there and I sense a bit of a prompting, but I, I move on because it's, my day is filled, the day is filled and uh, I'm thinking, oh wow, you know, I'm looking at my kid, I'm thinking of Christy and the kids and I'm doing some inventory who I've spent time with. I'm like, well, you know what, I, I think I need to spend time with my girl, so I go and I wake them up. They're so glad I, I wake them up and... Uh, <laughs> You know what I do? I, I walk in. I said, oh. And I walk out and I stop and turn. And I catch their eyes. <laughs> I didn't catch, you know, we got joy. So I took them out uh, to Dunkin' Donuts. And once we get there, they're glad. We have a nice time. And, and when I go into Dunkin' Donuts, I'm sitting there. And a person who's related to the person that God prompted, put on my heart, you know, comes in. Now, I, I'm not going to attach that person coming in to it could have been of God or not of God. I'm just going to say it just brought me because I'm sensitive to that prompting, because I'm aware of that prompting. And uh, although I didn't act on it initially, which perhaps God would have had me, but now I see this and it comes right back to me. And I'm like, okay, I, I'll not miss it this time, right? <laughs> you know, and then it comes back to me. So I finish up with my girls, and my girls, daddy needs 10 minutes. So like, oh, 10 minutes. You know, they're like, they're like it doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> so 39 minutes later, I just, I, I, you know, I just, I, again, I just went and spent time with the person. Uh, you know, and it's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, God, leave me, something's great going to happen. You know, generally speaking, I mean, sometimes people are happy to see a pastor at their door. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> And I think I made them late for something they had to go to next or something like that. <laughs> but I just, I, I just know, you know, as I'm riding home, that, you know, I'm confident that this was a prompting of God, Holy Spirit in me. And I know that somehow he's going to use this. Like, I know, I know. In their life, in my life, in my kid's life, I know that I know that I know that God, the Holy Spirit, my personal God, my powerful God, the one who creates, the one who makes things new, the one who empowers, who comforts, who guides, is going to use that time. So I would really gladly participate in that. You would be astonished at how often that happens to you. But if you don't know God, Holy Spirit, as God intended, you're going to miss these promptings. You're going to not be sensitive to this. And this could be whether you are on one side, that you're looking for fire from heaven, 
or you're on this side that you're just engrossed with deep doctrine and academics. Subjectivity, self-sufficiency. All of them. I should have brought a water. That would have been too much. Okay. Should I buy this person some groceries? Should I stop by and say hi to this person? Should I lend a hand? Should I give a kind touch? Should I say a kind word? Huh? Should I participate in this? Should I lend a hand to that? Huh? What is God talking to me and telling me? This is super cool. This is how you want to live out your life glorifying God. Huh? The Holy Spirit leads you and guides you closer to Jesus, I believe, through these wonderful moments. This is what I've known. That's why I'm always in, man. Uh, yeah, you, you, this guy's always out there. He's always doing this. He's always doing this. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just sowing seeds of joy, of peace, of revelation, of provision. This is what I do. It's, it's cool. It's, I'm just investing into the kingdom. I'm investing into good things that I know are going to come back to me one way or another. I just know it. Jump in, man. Join the game. Know the Holy Spirit in this way. All right, so it's getting late. Worship team, why don't you come up? Okay, so the Holy Spirit teaches, and the Holy Spirit guides, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. Don't you love the word conviction, huh? John chapter 16, verse 8 says, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Conviction only the Holy Spirit can show us the sin in our lives. When you become aware of that which is not of God, it is because of the Holy Spirit. This is how you become aware of that. This is what I thank God for more than anything else, believe it or not, that when I first became aware of God, when He awakened me to His presence, I began to see the world in this wonderful way, in an accurate way, in a healthy way. And I began to see myself in an honest way. And I began to turn around now the way I was living and decided to now pursue a right relationship with God. Keep praying for those you know that are not right with God. God is a sovereign God. He's a faithful God. Huh? He fulfills His promises. Intercede for them. Pray for them that God the Holy Spirit will bring conviction into their life to show them the sin which hinders them, which trips them up, which weighs them down. When I read the scriptures at times, and I'm saying, God, Holy Spirit, I mean, I do it every now and then. That was sarcastic too. <laughs> when I read the scriptures, I honestly, wholeheartedly will read a scripture and say, God, Holy Spirit, Show me, convict me in this scripture on what it is that I need to seek your forgiveness of. Now, why do they do Because it's liberating. It's life-changing. It's supernatural, man. Do you, you ever hear these things called blind spots? I never have blind spots when I drive. Everybody else has blind spots around, blind spots around me. We have blind spots in our lives. Huh? Come on. Do you ever look at somebody's life and say, man, don't they realize they do that? It's so obvious. Well, they are looking at you saying the same thing. <laughs> Some of these things are funny. Some of them are not. Some of them are hindering you from where God wants you in your life, from fulfilling these beautiful purposes and dreams. And, and God Almighty have mercy. 
that would hinder you from continually knowing God for all he is. God the Holy Spirit, convict me. Show me that which is not right in me. Examine me. And help me to turn from this way of being and of living. Huh? The Holy Spirit is what? What did we say before? He's gentle. The Holy Spirit brings peace. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. I don't get beat up in those conversations, nor will you. I don't feel regretful and bad in those conversations. I don't. I don't. Even when I've done something wrong, and I'm like, ah, yeah, you're right. I don't. I'm empowered. I'm so glad I'm aware of that. Now, I can bring healing. I can bring help. I, I can open up closed paths and doors in my life. Run to the battle, right? Run to the battle. Don't avoid the problems. Don't shirk back from them. Don't make believe they're not there. Run to the battle, my friends, and know that you don't run alone. But God, the personal God, the powerful God, the God who makes all things new, who created heaven and earth, God the Holy Spirit is with you, yes? All right, why don't you stand with me? Listen, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, hey, look at Jesus. If you're in here today, and you don't know Jesus. You've been toying around with this thing of Jesus. You thought you knew Jesus. Like when I first met Christy, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, you know I, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay, whatever, you know. The Holy Spirit, God Holy Spirit is saying to you, know Jesus today. He's pointing you to Jesus. He wants you to focus on Jesus today, that you would trust in Jesus, that you would know what he did. He gave his life that you could be a part of this wonderful divine relationship. And like a dove today, right now, I I believe it, God Almighty, God Holy Spirit, you are present with us here today. We welcome you humbly and with gratitude. We welcome you, Holy Spirit as you hover over us, O God, as you speak to us individually and corporately, O God. God, Holy Spirit, as you begin now to work in each one here this morning, as you begin to heal pains, O God, as you begin to calm minds, O God, as you begin to release people from addictions, O God, as you bring clarity to people, O God, who are restless in their pursuits and their ambitions, O God, that you would calm them, O God, Holy Spirit, supernaturally, O God, that they would join you in relationship like never before, that they would surrender themselves to this divine relationship to which they were created for. God, have your way in their life, oh God, that they would make, that they would know you. God is calling you to him. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is an advocate. The Holy Spirit is speaking on your behalf. You might say you're not good enough. You might say this, you might say that, but the Holy Spirit sees you not for who you are, but for what you are. You are a child of God. God will glorify himself in you. You are the first of all of God's fruits. You are the work of creation. You are new in Jesus' name. And he's drawing you to him. If you would turn today from the path you've gone on, if you would feel God, Holy Spirit, working in you and drawing you and showing you and giving you a taste of the goodness of God, of peace, of calmness, of a sense of hope that you can do this and that you're not alone, but you've got this 247 counselor and comforter with you, that today you would turn from the way you're living which is apart from God. Today you would turn from being comfortable with sin, from relying on sin, being dominated by sin, feeling in control of sin, saying, no, but today you would now live free of that way of being. You would bask in the forgiveness of your God, of your creator, of your maker. 
You would relish it. You would cherish it. What a treasure. What a gift. And you begin now to walk, not alone, but in the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. In Jesus' name, amen.